Father in heaven, thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace and your provision, your protection, the peace that you give us. God, we thank you that you have been so kind to us as a people. Your word tells us, God, that every good and perfect gift is from above that comes down from you, our Father. And so as we look at all that you have done in our lives, in our homes, in this family of faith, we just have to pause to say thank you. We're absolutely amazed at the kindness and the, and the grace, God, that you continue to pour out to us. Father, as we now open your word to learn a little bit more about how celebration is intended by you to be used as a platform to worship you and help other Lord to worship you, I pray, God, that as we open up this book, thank you that you placed the fourth chapter of Joshua in the Bible. You preserved it for us so that we can read it, so that we can understand it and apply it to our life. And so, God, I pray that you would speak through weakness, that you would bring glory to Jesus Christ alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is great to see you. Um, uh, we uh, have had an incredible morning, and uh, it's, it's so encouraging to be able to worship with you as a church family. So this morning, we are in the fourth chapter of Joshua. So if you brought a Bible, if you want to turn there, if you didn't, uh, there's some on the seats near you. And if you don't have one at home, please take that home as a gift. Uh, but um, uh, it's, uh, it's a joy to be able to open up God's written word for us. And so I want to ask you to join me in doing that. You know, it's interesting as we walk through this world, as you walk through life, um, every now and then you and I, we sort of find things randomly, uh, things like this little picture I want to show you right here that are so unfitting that it just makes us want to say, you know, that's just not right. That's not that's it, just instinctively, you and I know that, that the author of the movie theater did not intend for this to take place, right? And, and, uh, and it's just natural that as we look through life and we see things like injustice or we see certain pictures that just don't make sense, we, 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 we see things even in us, there's time to time where we look at it. And even in our brokenness and our weakness and our failures and uh, and we look upon life and we just say, you know, that's just clearly not how it was supposed to be. And what's interesting is uh, God says the same thing. You see, if this is true for us, as we look upon the world that we live in, imagine what it must be like for God to look back down upon this earth that he created. And for us to be here and for him to be able to see us in ways that are just simply so unfitting to how he really created all of it to be. I think perhaps one of the most unfitting things that perhaps he looks at, in fact, he tells us so, is when he looks down upon you and me, the people of this earth, who were created literally and formed out of the dust of the earth and have been promised that we're going to return to the dust of the earth. And he sees us randomly and repeatedly trying to stand up and get in between the sight line between God and his people. We stand up and we say, hey, look at me. God's word tells us that when he sees that, he says, that's not right. See, last week we looked at there's only one hero of the story. And every single one of us in our lives 
It's a chapter of the big book, but ultimately, even when we play the hero in our chapter on a really, really good day, we're only a reflection of the true hero of it all. Which is why God says that he opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And I start with this, the unfittedness of pride to ask this question. And that is, well, then why did you put a highlight book in our hand and we walk in here today with some of our own pictures on it? Right? Why would you play videos uh, of stories of things that have happened here? When ultimately there's really a possibility that some of you may conclude that we've done all this today to make much of us. To tell you how clever we are and how committed we are. And the reason I think that it's really important and the reason I think it's fitting for us to do this is because just as parents are honored when people see graces in their children that would not be seen or evidenced had their parents not be actively involved in the training and discipline and love of those children. So God is honored when people see graces in his church that would not be seen without his direct involvement and training and discipline of us as his people. So as we celebrate today, as we try to look back at God's kindness to us over the last ministry year, and what I want to do is to use this chapter to show you how God has specifically ordained our celebrations on this earth to be used as platforms for us to use that moment to worship God, but also to help other people to worship God. And you see, this is really, really pertinent because we're going to read a story that maybe you aren't going to have to ever do personally. Walk through a riverbed where the water is being heaped up on the side because of God's miracle, right? That's happened one time. And what's interesting, though, is we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and promotions and jobs. And when our friends, they get pregnant, when our friends, they get engaged and we celebrate all of these things in life. All of us spend a considerable amount of time, if you think about it, celebrating on the earth. And so how do we do that well? So let's read. This is what he says, starting in verse one of chapter four of Joshua. He says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people from each tribe, a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each one of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Let's skip down to verse 15. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. This is right after they passed. 
So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks just as before. And the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And so as we consider celebration, I want to tell you three very important Truths. The first is this, is that celebration acknowledges God's kindness. This is why he's created us with the capacity and the desire to celebrate is that he wanted to give us literally a platform where we can put a stake in the ground to say, God did this. To acknowledge what God has done. Now we need to ask the question, how do we get here in the story? Because there's some of you, perhaps you've never opened up a Bible. And if that's the case, And this is a great day to start, right? We're glad. But all of a sudden, we just opened it up, right? Sort of in, well, it's in the front, but it's sort of in the middle. There's a lot that's happened before this. And all of a sudden, we just find a nation of Israel standing at a riverbank. So what happened before here? Well, let me tell you the short story, okay? The Bible says is that God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created mankind in his image, that we could have an actual real relationship with him as our creator. He gave us instructions on how to live, to protect us, and to direct us. And then the Bible says that we sinned against God's direction. We said we can do better than that. We can make our own plan. We can chart our own course. And the Bible says that when we sinned against God, not only did we break fellowship with him, but we actually severed our relationship with him, our capacity to have joy and peace. And instead of crushing us at that moment, God did something that's pretty remarkable. And that is that he promised to to rescue us. So you fast forward from that moment, just a few chapters. And all of a sudden, God looks upon the earth and he sees a man who's bowing down and worshiping rocks. And he comes to Abraham and he says, Abram, I'm God, not these rocks. You're going to worship me. I choose you. And I'm choosing you not because I've looked down upon the earth and found you to be more righteous than anyone else because you're worshiping rock. I'm choosing you because I'm giving you grace. And ultimately, if you're here and you're wondering about what do you need to do to get to heaven, you need God to give you grace. We'll talk more about that in a moment. It's grace. He says, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you in such a way because I'm choosing you. That literally I'm going to create out of you a nation of people. At this point in time, he and his wife are unable to have children. 
He says, and not only am I going to make out of you a nation of people, but I'm going to give you a very, very important piece of land upon this earth where this nation is to live. And not only that, but I'm going to actually cause the rescuer that I promised that he would be born from your line. And one of your descendants will not only rescue you, but will rescue all the people of the earth who look to him in faith. And sure enough, as we continue to read the story, God did just that. He blessed them and all of a sudden they became a nation. And now this nation is the very nation that we're reading about right here. They're all standing on the edge of the river. And what's amazing about this whole story is that only a flooded river is now standing between them and the land that God promised to them all those, thousands, all those years ago. And isn't it interesting to me? This is a this is little confession time this week of my weakness of faith in life is um, I don't know why flooded rivers always seem to stand between us and God's promise, but they often do. I don't know if you ever noticed this. God says, this is where you're at. This is where I want you to go. Now go. And we start walking. And then all of a sudden, the creator of all things allows for a flooded river to be in the middle of what he's told us to go do. Uh, Thursday, I was frustrated. And to be honest with you, I told him already, I was frustrated with him, meaning the Lord, Right. Uh, which I know you can smile and laugh and go, oh, that's cute, right? But, but, but the fact is, is there's things that I feel like the Lord has called me to do and called us to do as a body of faith. And, and, and sometimes we get news and it looks and I'm like, wait, you told us to do this. Just throw us a bone already. You're the creator of the universe. You want this done, just do it. And, and, and I'll do, we'll, we'll just, and, 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 and there was a river that was, there was, there, was, there was in the middle. And I'm, I'm sitting like, God, why? Like, why, why is this the case? Uh, this is on Thursday, and, 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 which is the day that I uh, normally write these sermons. And so open up Joshua 4, and I'm like, well, yeah, here, uh, there's another river. And, 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 <laughs> and I think what the Lord taught me, and perhaps what he's seeking to teach them and us, is if there was no rivers, there would be no celebration. I mean, if everyone got married and stayed married for 50 years, no one would ever come up and say, how did you do it? Like the question, how did you do it, implies that that couple had to pass many, many rivers that were flooded and impassable, and yet God allowed them to, to, to pass through. You think about the celebrations of our life. Like if we were born and we lived forever on this earth, would we really celebrate birthdays? I mean, maybe we would. I don't know. But, but the fact is, is that not only do these rivers, they build our faith and they cause faith and they supplement faith after we've walked through them. But once we get to the other side, they become the moments that we then celebrate the rest of our life. And so what we find here is that the priest, their job was literally from God. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get the priest. I want them to hold the Ark of the Covenant. And I want them to put their sandals down into the water. And once they put their sandals in the water, God did a miracle. And he literally pushed the water back in a flooded river. And it says in chapter 3 that the river started to heap up into the air. And the whole nation of Israel literally passed through in dry ground. But not only beforehand, but during it, God said, this is what I want to happen. There's 12 of you tribes of Israel. And I want one man from each tribe to pick up one of the stones from the riverbed. And I want you to bring it over. And we're going to set it up. And it says, and it will be a sign to you. Now, the question that I have when I first looked at this is, 
why would they need a sign? I mean, how, how bad is your memory, right? That you walk across and you're like, you know, I don't know how we got across here. Like, why would they need a sign at that moment in time? And I think the reason is this. It's because our fallen hearts will look to almost any rationale except God to explain what only God can do and what he has done. We do not want to give him glory. And so some of our smartest people in the entire world look at the complexity of the entire universe. And they say maybe an explosion of nothing created everything. People do not want to give glory. So they've been married 50 years and they look in the mirror and they say, maybe we've been married 50 years because I'm so easy to live with. (laughs) Maybe God knew that the children of Israel would walk across and eventually they'd forget and they'd start saying things like, you know, maybe it was just like a, I don't know, like a, strange weather pattern where the you know the moon was this way and wind was blowing this way and i don't know perhaps it was a mirage maybe 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 we actually went across on a bridge who knows you see god gave us celebration to give us cause to put a stake in the ground and say god did this And so what I want to encourage us to do as a church family, when you think about celebration, acknowledges his kindness, is let's trace God's good gifts back to God's good hand. Let's be the kind of people that literally follow the breadcrumbs. They look down and go, you know what, this one and this one and this one. Wait a minute. Look, there's God. It all came from his kind hand. You see, when you look at this little booklet, right, it really is a remarkable thing that when you look and you go, you know, there were over 80 people that chose to publicly identify with Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord by being baptized last year. Do you realize that that cannot happen without God? The Bible says that we are dead in our transgressions and sin, and only the grace of God can literally bring someone to where they see that Jesus is even consequential to life, much less trust him as their Savior and Lord. And then God has to then move in that person's heart to actually open up the Bible and see or to have somebody in their life to say, God actually intends now for you to publicly confess your faith in Jesus Christ before other people by being baptized. It could never happen without him. To have a a dear couple literally, who's been at Providence for many, many years, serves as an elder. And the Schmitz, literally, God's calling them and moving them to Orlando, Florida. Like, do you realize that, that God had to settle so many fears and put such a mission before their eyes to literally live, leave the place where they've put roots, to go to a city they've never been to, they have no family there, to say, this is what God wants us to do. You see, that can't happen without God. We looked at over 250 of us at Providence literally put ourselves either on a bus or an airplane and went to a different city where there's different culture, different language, different food in order to tell people we do not know that Jesus Christ loves them. Do you realize that that's absolutely impossible without the spirit of God at work in our hearts? And so when we things that we see all around us 
it is absolutely fitting for someone to stand up and say, God did this. To acknowledge that God did this. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from, above, is from above, coming down from the Father. You see, this year you're going to have lots of opportunities to celebrate. Someone here is either going to get a job or a promotion at a job. And it's going to be really fitting that if you're out at dinner for somebody at that dinner party to stand up and say, it was God who did this. And some of you say, no, actually, it was my hard work. Well, the Bible says this. God's word says, he says, look, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. This is why as a family, the Frost family, every time we pay bills, and the boys love to ask now, right? Because we've set a pattern that we pay the bills. And it's not because there's uncertainty on any one given month. Can we pay the bills? Do we have enough money? But every single month that we do, we celebrate as a family to say, God has provided again. You see, as we celebrate birthdays this year, somebody needs to stand up and trace God's good gift of life all the way back to the giver of life and say, God did this. Later this year, when we celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas and we exchange gifts and we eat good food and we sing wonderful songs, somebody needs to stand up and say, God did this. You know, there's one other thing that about a celebration Sunday that is also true, and that is that not every gift is sweet, is it? There's a lot of things that have happened in our midst where God moved in a powerful way that do not make themselves appear in a booklet like this. There's been people who have literally buried loved ones, been in hospitals, received terrible diagnosis, lost jobs, didn't get the promotion, have felt lonely or betrayed or frustrated or confused. And isn't it amazing how God Almighty is literally even in the midst of it. Now, some of you may be there right now, but I promise you, he's going to lead you home if you lead to him, lean upon him. But isn't it amazing when you look back at some of the most tragic things that have happened in your life or this family of faith this year is that God has led us through. And so it's fitting for us as a family of faith, even in times where there's difficulty, where we can look back and say, you know what? Even then, God proved himself to be a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that we can celebrate, whether it's in tears of joy or tears of sorrow, we can see his kindness in our life this past year, and we can say, God did this. And so celebration acknowledges God's kindness. But second, celebration remembers God's kindness. You see, the first point is for the here and now. Things happen. Our heart wants to explain it away by something else. And we say, no, 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 God did this. The second point says in 10 years from now, you're probably going to forget that God did that. And so celebration gives us an opportunity for us to literally put markers in the ground for us to look back over time to say, I remember when that took place. And how important is this for you and I to walk through life? And there's times where even though God's been so close to us at certain times in life, isn't it true that we go through weeks and months and sometimes years longer to where we feel so distant from God and we feel like we just want to see his power poured out? 
I can see a man who literally walked through this water and 20 years later, he's feeling discouraged. He's feeling downcast. And so he goes for a walk and he finds himself near the river at Gilgal. And he's sitting there and he's praying, God, would you just show me that you're real? I know you've done stuff in the past. Can you show me again? Just something. This is what's going on in my life. The pressure of stress has literally caused him to maybe even forget the past kindnesses of God in his life. And all of a sudden, he comes upon 12 stones that have been put up as a monument. And all of a sudden, the sights and the sounds and the mercy and the thrill of him walking through, it all floods back to him. And then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, his hope is renewed again. And all the suspicion of God's goodness during his own pain, they're battled. And he even provides at that very moment an opportunity for generational discipleship. You see, the Bible tells us, he says, watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children. So imagine a bunch of kids out playing near the river at Gilgal. Kids that were born after they crossed, born in the promised land. They have no memory of the event whatsoever. They come across these 12 stones. They run home and they say, Dad, you're not going to believe what I saw. There's like these 12 stones. They're all arranged as if they're intentional. What's that for? Son, why don't you sit down? Let me tell you what God did. Not only does it help us remember, it helps our children and grandchildren. The next generations understand what the Lord has done. You see, the next generation has no memory of the miracle. And so God has established a lasting monument so that kids would literally be led to ask, what's that for? See, it's the duty of every single generation to teach God's kindness to the next generation, but we'll never teach what we do not remember. And so throughout Deuteronomy, he keeps saying, you've got to remember, you've got to remember, you've got to remember. And what he's doing here is he's saying, Every now and then, it's a really good thing to go ahead and memorialize it, to put some kind of lasting physical thing down to where when your eyes look at it, you follow the breadcrumbs back to to God's kind and generous hand. And so the application for this point is let's build reminders of God's kindness into our lives. And the fact is, this is where most of us are not going to apply. I'm sorry, this is where most of us will not apply this principle to our own lives. This is the thing that we just bank upon our memory. How could I ever forget this? And so we don't do this. At a birthday party, we'll acknowledge, you know what, God's been kind. We're so thankful that God brought you into our family. We'll say that, we'll acknowledge that. But isn't it amazing how many things God has done in our past that we totally forget? And when it's time to need a reminder, we have nothing that we've put up as physical reminders to trace us back to the hand of God. I mean, I can see the people of Israel going, so let me get this straight, Joshua. We see a wall of water in the sky over there, and now the ground is dry. We're crossing over, and you, you think we're going to forget this? Just pick up a stone. And this became very, very important because it was a matter of about two weeks that they forgot. 
You read the rest of the story of Israel and all these amazing miracles that God did time after time after time. They kept forgetting that he was near. And so God gave them specific times and specific ways for them to mark what he had done in their life. To take the time, it's inefficient to do so, but to take the time to literally put a marker in the ground to say, I remember when he did this. I remember. And you and I can do this, you see. In our own home, we have a little box. You walk in the front door and right straight in front, there's a little desk sort of thing and there's, there's a box up on top of it. And I've even brought this box right here and I've showed it to you before. But in that box, every single year, we fill it with little mementos, little, little tangible, practical things that when something happens in our week or a month throughout the year is that we put something in there, right? So there's pictures and there's, um, I mean, there's all kinds of things in there. there lots of hospital stuff. We've got three boys and so, you know, uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, Hey, God protect us there again. And, and, and the thing was sort of built so that on Thanksgiving day that we would open it up as a family and we, and, and we start to pull different things out, places we were able to visit, things we were able to do, how God directed us and talk about those things on Thanksgiving. But you know, what's interesting is, is that my, 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 um, faith, I guess is, is so weak that, that I can't wait a whole year. And so what I find myself doing is routinely sitting down on the couch for that box, opening it up and saying, that's right, that he did this. And he did this. I know that he can come through. I know that he can come through because he did these things. You see, our families, we as individuals, our families, and then as a whole family of faith, we need to do this. And ultimately, that's what Celebration Sunday really is all about. That's the only reason that we would print something like this and put it in your hand. It's also the reason that page 19 and 20 are left blank so that you can actually put this very application into practice where you could spend some time, maybe this afternoon, and just write a few sentences. These are some things that I know that God did in my life this last year. Maybe you can look at that three years from now, four years from now at a dark time, and you go, you know what? He did it then. He can do it now. You see, it's interesting that if you look around this room at the one thing, the one physical object that we would probably hold up and say, well, that's Christian. What would it be? It would be the cross right there, wasn't it? Wouldn't it? And some of you assume that because we have a cross hanging within this room and even hanging on that wall out there, meaning on the outside, that that's our way to distinguish ourselves as Christians. That's the way that we've chosen to tell other people that we're followers of Jesus. But the Bible actually tells us that our love for one another is supposed to do that for us. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, my followers. And then he doesn't follow up with saying, hang a bunch of crosses, wear cross necklaces. He says that you love one another. That's how people are going to know that you're my followers, that you love, you're distinguished by love. So why hang a cross? Why hang a cross? The reason we hang that cross is because every single one of us come into this room from time to time throughout the year and life seems to have us by the neck. And longing for some sign that God cares and that God is near and that God loves and he's not forsaken us and he's not forgotten us. We had the opportunity to look up and see the very instrument upon which God killed his son so that we could be forgiven. We look up and see that physical, tangible reminder and instrument 
that literally bore the wrath of God for us, where Jesus literally absorbed all of it that was aimed towards us so that we would not have to drink any of God's wrath because Jesus drank all of it. We look upon that physical cross, that piece of wood, And there we see the instrument by which God says, if I would do this for you, do you not think that I have your best interest in every part of your life? You see, the physical picture of a cross is supposed to be a physical reminder of God's kindness to those of us who have already trusted Christ. But also the physical reminder of the cross is supposed to be a declaration of God's invitation to those of you who have never trusted Christ. You see, when you look upon that cross, if you've not trusted Christ, that is God saying, I love you. I created you. I have a plan for you. That I literally sweat bloods in a garden for you that I absorbed all of the Father's wrath for you, that I will forgive you, that I'll give you my righteousness and I'll adopt you into my family. It's an invitation to you if you've never trusted Christ that that physical display is supposed to be an invitation to you that says, God is for me. And for those of us who've already trusted Christ, every time we look upon it, we're reminded once again When we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, whether you're going through despair or loneliness or whatever it is, we look up there and we say this. One thing I do not know is what's going on. But the thing I do know is this, is that God has not forsaken me. It allows us to remember the most practical, tangible expression of love that anyone has ever showed any of us. And so I would encourage you, in your own life to set up practical reminders that jog your memory. Do not bank upon your memory. The Bible insults it frequently and never apologizes for doing so. This is why he told them to do this. It's a sign for you. It's a sign for future generations that you will not forget Because the time is coming when you will need to remember that when you cannot see my hand, that you'll need to remember my heart. The third thing that we know about celebration from this passage comes from the very last verse, and that is that celebration broadcasts God's kindness. It is an amazing thing to me that the final effect of the 12 stone monument that was built to stir up worship in adults and questions in children was that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. In other words, this monument was literally intended. This celebration was intended for three things. One, it was to help the people who crossed through the water not to forget. It was to help their children come to a place to where they understand that God is there. But then there's the rest of us. There's the rest of the people throughout the whole world who were not a part of that nation. And God wants us to know. See, we're the verse 24. Like, do you realize that? We were the outsiders here. 
We were the ones on the outside looking in. And God says that he told them to do it so that we would know that God can do this for us. In other words, the memories are supposed to be leveraged for the mission. Psalm chapter 66, verse 5 and 6. The psalmist there is pleading for the nations to come and to hear and to see what God has done. He says, come and see what God has done. He's turned the sea into dry land and they pass through the river on foot. You see what he's doing? He's leveraging this very story right here in order to convince us, people who did not walk through that water, that that's the God who's the God over all. That we need to worship him, that we need to acknowledge him, that we need to remember him. You see, monuments and mementos and celebrations are like really, really clever commercials that never tell us the product of what's being sold. In other words, they present a great frame, but they cannot tell the whole story. See, if you go to some museum and you see a statue and you look at it and you go, wow, that's a statue. And all of a sudden a guide comes out and he says, you know who this is? Well, no, this is who it is. Do you know why this happened? And, he, and then all of a sudden you, you find the backstory to why that's there. I'll say, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. You see, people look at that cross and they assume a lot of things. And God says, I'm going to use your lips as my people in order to really tell them to broadcast my, can't, my kindness to other people. But here's the deal. You cannot broadcast what you don't remember. And that's why we celebrate. And so let's, let's declare what we remember of God's kindness this week. See, on this Celebration Sunday, we do want to praise God for all that he's done. We want to make sure that we tell God and each other that everything that we see, that we believe as a church family, is not because of our ingenuity or intelligence or charisma or persuasion, but it's because of his grace and mercy. But we also want these things to literally propel us on our mission to introduce all peoples to Jesus Christ and to grow them up to love and worship him. You know, tonight at New Life Camp, there's going to be more than 40 people once again, who publicly declare with their life and baptism that they're identifying with Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, which is a miracle. You do not want to miss that. You see, this is a celebration that broadcasts God's kindness. But this is what I want to encourage each one of us. What would it look like for every single one of us to make it a point this week to tell one person one thing that God has done in our life? All the kindnesses that God has shown to you. I would just encourage you, tell one of them to someone this week. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we do look around and it is uh, it's just remarkable when we, when we see what you've done. Lord, everything that we oftentimes try to explain away, where we know that if we really follow the breadcrumbs, it leads back to you. And so we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor and all the glory. It's all to you. And Father, I pray that as we sing and as we give, God, that these things would be expressions and reflections of your generosity to us. We thank you, Father, that we can trust you. We thank you, Father, that each one of us who have already trusted you, it was that simple. It was to believe upon the accomplishments of Jesus. And I pray for those in the room who have yet to do that, 
has yet to trust Christ. God, would you help them to see that all of the work has already been done and to trust you as their Savior and Lord. So we love you. We're grateful. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.